Thank you for downloading Tube Flash Tales, original flash fiction inspired by London Underground and vintage and contemporary brooches. If you want to find out more, visit the Tube Flash website, but not before you've listened to this set of Tube Flash Tales. Keep moving. Parsons Green. The Plain Trees of London by Andrea Taroni. My mother missed the trees of London. Where we live, far away in the north of Scotland, our landscape contains only the varying blues and greys of the sea and the soft greens and mauds of the heather heaths. She would sit every day by the window of her lone cliff-top house, tracing the shapes of trees on the glass. Two concave curves formed a trunk, a mass of curls of full-leaved boughs, like the trees she drew in her childhood. She left their outlines everywhere. The steam from the shower would reveal their hiding place in the bathroom mirror. When she baked, their frosted winter skeletons appeared in the flour on the pastry board. Finally, my father could stand it no longer. Her longing for the trees was greater even than her grief for him. A gust of wind blew in a tumble of fresh green leaves, while outside the water in the bay stood still and calm. Plane tree leaves, she said, as she twirled one by its stem and smelt the mixture of petrol and spring that it brought. London is full of plane trees, she said. I didn't know. I'd never been there. When I was little I lived in Parsons Green, she told me. Like the Parsons nose. I laughed. No, the vicar of Fulham used to live there, years and years ago. That's how it got its name. Every morning I crossed the green with Grandad on my way to school. The streets were lined with avenues of plane trees. She gazed at the memories I couldn't see. Your father and I lived there for a while. When? I asked but she just smiled. The breeze fluttered past again. The next morning there was a cross for a kiss by the trees in the bathroom mirror. Black Horse Road Siege by Gary Budgeon We always went to your flat in Walthamstow, but this time there was a problem with the tube. We'll get out and walk, you said. I asked why it was called. There'll be a reason for it, you cut in. There's always a reason for it. There'll be some bloke who does talks in the back rooms of pubs all about it. You waved away any possible interest I might have. I said nothing. I wanted there to be a real horse. I knew if I said this you would pronounce me a child, as you always pronounce me a child. Are all women children to you? There was a mural a disappointing horse of tiles that looked like a giraffe. Then, as I tramped after you, I saw something at the very edge of the platform. I hid it in my hand quickly, in case you saw it. 
You stomped ahead as it rested in my palm, nestled in flesh, like a chess piece, a knight. It was a brooch of a black horse. You stood at the top of the escalator, a colossus looking down at me. Hurry up! In my hand, the horse was calling, its mournful eyes urging me on. It was a Trojan horse, and I imagined myself inside, sweating, waiting to be hauled into the city to conquer it, ready to leap out with my sword. I would be the Amazon amongst all those muscular Greek boys. What's the matter with you? you said. You are just a hectoring little demigod, and I realised I was tired of your bullying. When I reached the top of the escalator, I turned and allowed the other one to take me down again, deep into the dark entrails of the black horse. Mornington Crescent Finding Samantha by John Petherbridge You find the crescent-shaped brooch on the adjacent chair where she was sitting. You take it to one of the baristas, but he's too busy to want to know. The back of the brooch is marked Samantha, Mornington Crescent. You decide to find Samantha and return it. Today's good turn. In the street, you ask directions. Mornington Crescent. Uh, sorry, mate, I'm not from round here. Mornington Crescent? Yes, now let me see. It's, um... <laughs> no, it, it, it's gone. Afraid I can't help you there. Mornington Crescent. I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Your best bet is the tube. Take the northbound tube from Euston and it's your next stop. You return to Euston Station and take a train promising High Barnet on its front. You arrive at Camden Town without apparently passing through Mornington Crescent. Maybe you dozed. Maybe the station is the invention of a devious panel game creator. You see a sign for southbound trains to Euston. Hearing a train approaching, you rush downstairs and hurl yourself aboard as the doors close. Breathing heavily, you stand by the doors, peering out of the windows, fearful of missing your stop. But miss it you do. You're back at Euston. Did you blink? Another northbound tube, this one promising edgeware. You take it, arriving back minutes later at Camden Town. You look at a tube map. Mornington Crescent does lie between Euston and Camden, but only on the Charing Cross branch of the Northern Line. Mystery solved. You decide to walk. You arrive at Mornington Crescent. There's a pub on the corner, the Littleton Arms. You enter, order a pint and take it outside. You sit down at a table with a commanding view of the Crescent. You feel Samantha's brooch in your pocket and wait. Piccadilly Circus 
The Lovers by Mark Lewis They kissed on the platform with absolute abandon, as if the rest of the world did not exist. Commuters and tourists tutted, pushed and milled around, oblivious to the arrow that had pierced the lovers. Fate. Eros. Passionate love. Their souls and bodies now forever joined. The iron arrow connected them. It gave them both a wound that would never heal. The other travellers sped up, hours passed, blurring into weeks, years. The lovers, now a fixture, as their mingled blood pooled on the platform. Over the years, they faded. Moment by moment, their lives and their love drained away. On the platform, still oblivious, the commuters and tourists stepped over the abandoned arrow. The lovers, no more than ether. No more lovers left. Bond Street. Hero by Eric Carlton. This must be the most uncomfortable bed I have ever had. My pillow is so hard. Ugh, can't get to sleep, but I'm so tired. It's so noisy. My cot was so cosy. I still remember the first night in the big bed. Seemed so scary with no bars to peer through. The best night was as a teenager, when I rebelled against my dad by going to bed in the nude. That was comfortable. <sighs> Wish I could get this bed more comfortable. Why is everyone staring at me and mumbling? The first night with my first girlfriend. Now, that was a good night, but uh, I didn't get much uh, sleep. <laughs> and the first night in a double bed. So much room to explore and experiment. Now, we have our first bed on order for our new flat, Dee and me. It was fun trying it out in the shop. The look the salesman gave us as we cuddled. I think he thought we were going to go all the way. <laughs> what a laugh. <laughs> you no, know, it hurts to laugh. Today started so well. With the letter confirming our mortgage and the brochure from the manor house where we're going for the reception, it seemed the perfect omen for coming to buy the ring. Someone's trying to give me a pillow. But it doesn't matter now. I'm feeling much more comfortable. My legs are so relaxed. I can hardly feel them. My Deirdre deserves the best. 
and where else but Bond Street? I can hear her now, scolding me for interfering. You should have got on the floor with the others. Not try to stop them, you dope. No diamond ring is worth getting killed for. Gunnersbury. The Pact by Rebecca Johnston Reaching down to the depths of my bag, fingers grazing the raw underside of the leather, I delve deeper until I feel the rigid filigreed metal of my grandmother's gun. I trace the cool ivory handle with my fingers, and in my mind, taking in the sure, smooth certainty of its existence, Imagine the recoil jolt that will come when I fire. It is a solid pistol, heavier than it looks with the dainty paste diamonds inset into the side. A jewel for each word. I love you. A strange gift, though things were different then. The gun was a relic from the war, but it worked. I knew it did. And Danny knew it too. Commuters burst onto the pavement like bubbles, smack, pop, rustle, hustle, murmurs, laughter. At every sudden move or sharp noise I tense. How would he do it? Would he come alone? Gazing around, alert, but outwardly nonchalant, I consider my disguise. Hooker boots, fur coat, laddered tights, vermilion lips. The wig might be overkill. Too theatrical. Maybe. I hope not. I need the upper hand so I can strike first. I smile to myself as I play over the victory that will be mine. The smile clings to my face, twisting and static as the bullet skims my heart. The scream in my head consumes me. I don't feel any pain. Blood seeps, then gushes into the cheap, stiff fur of my coat. My heart is the killer as it furiously pumps away my life. Time slows, a sticky metallic taste. I buckle and slide to the ground, the pavement dank, hard and spattered with shit and spit and dirt. He got to me first. I'm nothing. You've been listening to a Tube Flash production. Keep moving. Read by Ruth Urquhart, Richard Hodder, Keith Morris and Mena Bonsells. If you enjoyed this download, why not visit the Tube Flash website, www.tubeflash.co.uk where you'll find more underground tales to download and keep forever entirely free by following the iTunes link. <laughs>